Today we're talking web series with the man behind Starable.com, right here on No Rest for the Weekend. And welcome to No Rest for the Weekend, the show where we talk to the creators of independent film and series. I'm your host, Victoria Oliver. Since the invention of YouTube, the web series has become an emerging art form. Shows like High Maintenance, Drunk History, and Insecure all started on the web. But in a virtual landscape that seems to be ever more saturated, how do content creators take their series project to the next level? One man saw the need for creators to cut through the noise and created Starable.com. Ajay Kishore is the company's founder and CEO. Our producer, Jason Godby, had a chance to chat with Ajay in the studio. Hi, it's Jason Godby with No Rest for the Weekend, and today my guest is Ajay Kishore from Starable.com. He's the CEO of that organization. Welcome, AJ. Thanks for having me. So, AJ, tell us about Starable. What's the origin story and how did it come to be? Yeah, so Starable is the largest community of web series creators and fans. Community can mean a lot of different things. Uh, for us, it's about creating the connections that creators really need to succeed. So part of the platform is about helping them get discovered, helping them build an audience. Uh, part of it is about uh, helping them connect with other creators so they can learn how to work more effectively, find potential collaborators. And part of it's about, you know, how do we help them take that next step in their career? whether that's by working with brands or industry or, or leveling up um, what they're doing with their filmmaking. So the origin of the company is uh, about two years ago, I was working in finance. Uh, I had never worked in media before. I never worked in a startup before. And I was reading this article in Time Out New York, the top 50 web series you should know right now. And there was something about it that just struck a chord where I started to think, why is there not a better way to find this sort of information? Like, I don't know what the half-life of that article is. Maybe it's a month, maybe it's six months, but it's eventually going to be out of date. It's entirely driven by the editorial opinion of that author. And there's no way even two years ago that they could have had an expansive view into everything that was being created. And from that, I started to think, okay, well, what is a web series? And historically, it's this pejorative term, right? Low budget, low quality, couldn't make it onto television. But... As content shifts onto the internet, all of a sudden this idea of an independent television show makes a whole lot more sense. At the same time, it becomes much harder to find, right? There's no channel guide for online video. And so while I was working in finance, I have a background as an engineer, and there was something really appealing about creating structure around what was increasingly this opaque and fragmented landscape. And the second part of it is I just really love television. It's my favorite art form. It's the sort of thing where the first week the Broad City came out, on it, it wasn't a big show in the very beginning, and on two separate occasions, I was out with friends, and I was like, hey, have you seen the show? And they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, we have to go watch it right now. And I dragged them back to my apartment to watch an episode. Like, I like making those sorts of recommendations. And so creating something that did that writ large made a whole lot of sense to me. So... The, the mission is, is getting this stuff and curating this stuff so people can find it and then hopefully taking it to a higher platform. Yeah, it's, it's really it's discovery and it's career building. So what we've realized is web series creators are kind of this underserved community. Um, it started out as, you know, how can we just help them build an audience? And then over time as we worked on the problem, we realized, okay, well, there are all sorts of other things that we could help them um, with. So... 
you know, we were doing meetups here in the city starting late last year, and we'd ask uh, show creators, how do you staff your shows? And they'd say, well, it's actually a real struggle to pull from outside of our existing social network. How do we, how do we find other people that want to work on web series? Well, that makes total sense. And it, it also makes sense that because there isn't a central place for creators to gather, it's hard to hire them. Well, we found that even just with our meetups, show creators will meet each other and, and realize, oh, you want to work on that sort of thing? Like, ah, that kind of fits with how my aesthetic uh, works. And we've had shows come out of that. And so doing that uh, for the broader community makes a ton of sense for us. So if I'm a, a content creator, how do I get a show on Starable? How are you guys finding shows? Are you actively seeking shows to put on the platform? Are your creators coming to you at this point? So in the beginning, as you can imagine, it was a lot of us going out and saying, hey, we want to highlight these shows because we really believe in them. Um, now we've spent a ton of time trying to find creators where they already live. And so pretty much 100% of what we add on the platform uh, is show creators come to us. And so we find them on social media, as you can imagine. Uh, we have partnerships with 14 web series festivals worldwide. We do our own events from meetups and screenings. Uh, we have an, uh, we're going to be doing our own festival in, in next year. And we've created things like our community forum, where Web series creators can come and like meet other creators, ask and answer questions, uh, benefit from our daily events like Reddit-style AMAs with industry experts, things like that. And that's another way to meet them um, and, and provide value. I think having that personal connection is huge. Um, we, we talked a little bit before we started rolling. For a content creator that's doing something uh, in a virtual space, mm -hmm. it's so hard um, to get in a room with, uh, like you said, other people you want to collaborate with but people that you want to sell the show to. Yep. Um, so the, if, you're, if you're in this market and you're sort of lost on a platform like YouTube or Vimeo, with Starable, I know that you guys sort of curate your content by genre. Um, so do you see it more as, like, who are the people looking at Starable right now? Are you finding it's industry, more industry or more audience, or is it a combination there of both? I mean, it's a little bit hard to separate, um, but it's a combination of creators, audience, and industry. Certainly now, uh, especially as you know, somewhat of an early stage company, like we also try and help with that process, right? So we take shows that we really believe in, and we bring them up in conversation with people we happen to know in industry. And one of the things we're really excited about for the festival is this is a way for us to make that happen on a bigger scale, right? So bringing in a lot more industry contacts and having them be in the same space over the course of a weekend is a much better, much more organic way of saying, hey, you have this show, this is how you pitch it. You guys, you, you mentioned before that you're looking at doing a festival in mid-2018. That's right. So is that gonna be here in New York? It is, Brooklyn. Okay, oh, oh, at the, uh, the main New York Media Center. We are just uh, figuring out the location. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of festivals out there, and mm -hmm. I think another thing that people probably have trouble with too is if you're a content creator, where do you submit? Like, where do you? How do you? Because these things they're they're, they're often pretty expensive. If you're doing a, a film festival, mar you have to add that into your marketing. Yep, you have to put all of that stuff out there because there's a whole budget designed just for. Mm -hmm. uh, festivals and distribution and pre-distribution um, with you guys are you doing like a I mean you probably haven't worked this out yet but in terms of like the people that are already on Starable 
Um, are you going to grandfather people in, or is it going to be like a pricing structure so that people who are already on the platform can maybe get some sort of early benefit? So the pricing, I think we're going to keep purposefully low okay. um, because uh, that being said, we haven't decided on any sort of specific numbers yet. But I think to the point about festivals are absolutely expensive and it there are a number of them, right? And so you have to ask yourself the question of like, why do you want to do another one? And I think when we think about the sorts of conversations we have with creators and the problems that are still remaining to be solved, it feels like they largely fall into two big buckets. One is, how do I learn how to do all these skills that are demanded of me as an online creator that I don't necessarily know how to do? So crowdfunding, social media marketing, navigating distribution. Uh, and so those sorts of um, educational uh, opportunities, are, I think, are really nicely solved by something like a festival. And the other nice thing about it is that we're already doing it online. And so you know we have this background. We have this expertise in it. We can pull from that and do these sorts of workshops and panels um, in a really efficient way for the creators. The second part of it is how do you get in the same room with decision makers, right? So even with um, some of these festivals, I think a lot of the times you you win and you know it's a great acknowledgement that you've you've created something um, truly unique, but you wonder what's next. And I think a big focus for us is going to be how do you get industry people into the same room? so that you can be having those conversations. And maybe it's not as explicit about like selling the show right there, but that's now a person you know, right? And you're getting that feedback about, okay, well, if this were going to be a network show, if this were going to live on a streaming service, what would they want to see? And even those conversations are really valuable because all of a sudden now you have something in mind to build towards. And that really, I feel like, is the, the gap that needs to still be bridged. I think you're absolutely right. I think for the most part, when you're when you're an independent content creator on the web, it's sort of the wild west. Like there are no rules, and you know, then, I, and I've seen shows. There's been a few shows that have come, and and sold to like uh, some something uh, where you know you start out as a web series on YouTube, you get discovered, and then next thing you know, you're on HBO. Yep. Something like High Maintenance. Yep. Is a is a great example of that. Um, but you know, even that show, it had to morph because you're going from, you know, you can do a six-minute episode, or a ten-minute episode, to hey, I've got to fill this 22-minute half-hour yep. time slot, Absolutely. and how do you restructure your content to do that? Um, and you know, that's somebody, that's something in the web world where we don't think about that much. But you know, television is a regimented structure; they, they've got to be able to program, and you need to be able to fit in that or you don't work. Recently, when I went to the IFP market um, this past fall, I learned a lot just by being in the room with people who bought shows mm -hmm. and what they're looking for. And that the fact that you pitch to, like for instance, uh, there was a, a woman there from Warner Brothers Television executive, and you know Warner Brothers is one of the biggest entertainment companies on the planet. Right. And it was like, well, if you're pitching this, like for instance, say if you want to pitch a a network show. Mm -hmm. You want your show on an NBC, ABC. Yep. You know, for the most part, they just want to hear your idea. Most of the time, they take a verbal pitch. You don't have to show up with a bunch of treatments and scripts and stuff mm -hmm. because they need to program Tuesday night. 
Right. And they want to see if you're if they can morph your show That's right. into fitting that program. Whereas something maybe um, like Netflix or a Hulu or a streaming platform, they don't need that because it's whenever you want, you know, whatever you want, whenever you want, and you can kind of take your show and they'll put it out there. Um, I think the other the, the other huge piece that you mentioned is marketing. Like you go and you do all of this work to get your show made, yep. which is this you know Sisyphusian effort uh, of getting that boulder up the mountain. Yep. And then it's like, okay, I made it, and now what? Yep. You know, where where can I get that? Um, in terms of the future of streaming television and television in general, I mean, it's it's very. Uh, Unpredictable right now, I think. With with um, like, what what are the networks going to do? Everybody is. I know Disney is looking at launching their own channel online. Yep. Uh, which if they take the Marvel shows away from Netflix and start putting out their own, I mean, they're an empire right now. Right. And so now it's like if I'm if I'm an audience member, it's like, well, do I I'm going to pay 15 bucks for this? I'm going to pay 15 bucks for that. You know, the next thing you know, it's like my my online streaming bill, which I killed my cable to pay for because it was a lot less money. Now it's the same right. because I'm paying for all these individual channels. But do you see it as TV just turning into the internet? Uh, do you think that if we had this conversation five years from now, ten years from now, there's still going to be major network channels? Or do you, like, is there still going to be cable TV? So I think... I, I know you have no way of knowing this, by the way. No, that, but know. I... I do think about it a fair bit. I think a lot of how cable exists right now is not going to exist 10 years from now because I do think that there are a lot of networks or brands that are essentially free riding off the fact that they are channel 55 or whatever, right? right? And so they live in a place where you can easily discover them because you're just going to browse through it in the channel guide. 10 years from now, people aren't going to have channel guide, right? And so if you don't have a name brand where someone associates good content with you, then it's going to be tough for you to exist. And so I do think that a lot of these companies, even this wave of consolidation that we're seeing is is about getting content that allows you to build a brand around it. Well, yeah. that's what uh, that's what CBS just did with their access channel. Yep, they got a Star Trek show, and they, like they know there's enough Star Trek fans because they're not selling it with like NCIS number three or the stuff that's currently on their their network. And I think it's a smart move on their part. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question is, is like, okay, you only get so many Star Trek shows. What's the next thing for them? And um, I mean, could you see in terms of the future of Starable? Um, could you see Starable going that way, where you guys um, are a Netflix or you are a, a streaming platform or something like that? It's a question we get a fair bit. I guess I'll I'll answer it in two ways. One is uh, I've never produced a show, show before. I have no reason to believe that I would be good at producing a show before. But you know what you like a in a show, though. And you're, I do. And yeah, you guys sure. are good at curating shows. It. I. And the other way that I would answer it is. I think people talk about this idea of peak TV and you know there's always this warning that it's going to end it's going to end. I don't actually think that it is unsustainable. I think that what's going to happen is the ceiling for these bigger shows is going to come down, right? So All in the Family used to get 30 or 40 million people watching an episode. The biggest show right now is Game of Thrones, and that's at 20, right? What comes after Game of Thrones? It'll be in the 10s or 15s, right? So 
What's instead going to happen is there are going to be all of these smaller shows. And the other exciting part of it is we're starting to see the infrastructure now where if you are an independent online filmmaker, you can start to make it sustainably, right? So things like crowdfunding platforms, things like Patreon, things like uh, these mini streaming services that are buying up content, those are all going to make it easier to be a independent filmmaker. And so for us, being this community of independent filmmakers as the opportunities for that uh, job of that profession grow feels like, well, there's probably a lot that we can do there, right? About helping them connect with industry, about helping them figure out the services that they need, about helping them find potential collaborators. And so uh, never say never, but it feels like there's a lot of opportunity ahead of us just in you know, serving the need of our existing users without going down the road of saying, okay, we also want to create shows. You know, when I started filmmaking in the 90s, it was um, about independent versus studio. Mm-hmm. Now the only, in for, as far as movies go, now the only real movies that are studio movies are the ones made by the big guys like Disney and Warner Brothers and Fox. And But virtually everything is independent now. Right. And you just get picked up by distribution. And TV is largely the same way. I mean, there's a lot of people saying, oh, oh you know, if you're in TV, you have to build your own audience. And then we'll kind of like, if we're, if we're a channel, we're going to buy the audience. Right. Um, so if you're, if you're a content creator now, how do you find an, an audience? How do you sort of like, you're preaching, how do you find your congregation? Do you have any, I don't know if you have any insights on that. I know it's a really tough question. Yeah, it's definitely a tough question. I, I would say, you know, if you look at the shows that have done it successfully, they've kind of they've done a good job of identifying who their audience is and going to where they already gather. So thinking about the sorts of social media platforms, publications, other other networks that um, address their audience's needs and getting in front of them. So, you know, I think like high maintenance really worked because it, it tapped into how New Yorkers see themselves. It also tapped into a moment where like marijuana was being destigmatized very quickly. Uh, another show that Vimeo picked up, The Outs, it got picked up by LGBT blog, and so it got adopted by the community. Um, you look at uh, web series um, that have done well on YouTube, they've tapped into this thirst for literary series or uh, LGBT content or teen content, and they've they found their users that way. So it, in, uh, in other words, if you are a content creator, it sounds like the, mi- the mission right now is to be niche and go for a specific audience and find that audience rather than trying to put up a show and have that audience find you. Well, I think the way that you get discovered traditionally is essentially marketing, right? So the way that Netflix, Fox, any of these uh, companies solve the discovery problem is just like throwing ad dollars at it. If you're an independent filmmaker, one assumes you don't have a marketing budget, right? And so you have to be craftier about how you're going to do it. And so I do think that it's a mistake to say, I've created this piece of art and now people are going to find it. I think it, it ignores how much content is being created and how distracted people are. You really have to find the audience where they already are and make it appealing for them. Excellent point. Excellent point. Well, I hope you guys have found this uh, very informative. Ajay, thanks so much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Um, I'd love to do this again. And maybe we can cover the festival and go out there and send somebody and and, uh, uh, talk to creators and, and talk to you again. And 
uh, when you guys are here? Because you've only been around now for how long has the platform been around? company's been around for about two years. Okay, so definitely the vector is is headed in an upward direction. You guys have a lot lot to do and and a lot to conquer. Um, But thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, I hope I hope we can do it again. I hope we uh, we can follow up and cover the, cover the festival and and next year if we have this conversation, we're talking about uh, the the great things that you guys have done and the, and the the content creators that you've managed to match with uh, with people in the industry and, and success stories. Hope so. That's great. Thanks Thank so you again. M- thanks so much. Thanks for joining us. I'd like to thank our guest, Ajay Kishore. If you'd like to see more from Behind the Rabbit Productions, visit our website, btrp.nyc. On behalf of Jason Godby and myself, thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.